Welcome to the Modern Manifestation Podcast. I'm your host, Bree Brown, a business mindset coach, entrepreneur, and a top competitor in a male-dominated industry. I'm a native Texan, the youngest of all brothers, and a lettuce-hating, wine-loving, curses-like-a-sailor recovering perfectionist. I've spent over a decade building my commission-based career, and my life's purpose is helping other women achieve the same multi-six-figure success I achieved before I was 25. I have a passion for helping women with mindset, money, and manifestation skills to help every young woman realize her full potential. If you're looking for vulnerable conversations, professional development, inspiration, or even a kick in the ass to get you motivated, you have come to the right place. Thanks for checking out the Modern Manifestation Podcast. Now let's jump right in to today's topic. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Modern Manifestation Podcast. Before jumping into today's episode topic, I just wanted to quickly mention that on Instagram, I started a fundraiser for women, for Afghan women on my page, primarily because I've been seeing everything going on over there and really wanted to do something. However, you know, without my own plane, without anyone that I know over there, without any sort of connections, there's really so much, only so much we can do whenever we see things unraveling in a way that really just doesn't feel good to us, right? So I wanted to take the opportunity and start that fundraiser. So if you feel called to, or if you've been wondering about what you can do to help some of the women and children that are over in Afghanistan, if you go to my Instagram page at Modern Manifestation, you will see where the link is so that you can donate to Women for Afghan Women. And if that one doesn't speak to you, I also created a post where I mention a few other nonprofits that are also doing what they can to help people over there. And you feel called to help and you haven't figured out what to do, head over to my Instagram, donate, or even if you don't want to head over to my Instagram, totally fine. Just go to one of those nonprofits I mentioned, like Women for Afghan Women, Women for Women International, Visions for Children, the International Rescue Committee, the UN Human Rights Committee. There's so many that you can directly impact with your money. So if that is something that you feel called to do, please, please, please take a moment to go over. And even if it's just $2. So with that, let's get into today's discussion. So today is a follow-up from last week's Dating Yourself episode. So it's pretty much a follow-up to a follow-up episode. (laughs) And I'm really trying not to be like, follow-up cubed. (laughs) But the question that I get the most after people learn about this concept of dating yourself is, well, how can dating myself help me manifest a better or more appropriate partner if I haven't already? And if you have, then how can it help me improve my existing relationship? And I love, love, love these questions for so many reasons. So let's get into using this idea of dating yourself to manifest the right relationship for you. The first thing that I will say is that whether or not you're already in a committed relationship, this episode can help you. Because these are things that I actually utilized even after I found Evan and even after he and I were in a relationship with each other. And By doing some of these things and utilizing dating yourself as an opportunity to explore myself and to develop a deeper connection with my my own traumas, I was then able to develop a deeper connection with Evan and a better understanding of him as well as myself. 
And unfortunately for him, that happened while we were in a relationship and not beforehand, but, you know, better late than never, right? So whether or not you have an existing partnership or partnerships, there will be some nuggets in here that you can pull from to help you just have a more healthier relationship in general. Full stop. The next thing that I will say is that when I refer to dating yourself in this episode, I'm really referring to the habit that I want you to incorporate when you begin to take yourself out on dates. And really, the the gist of it is introspection, developing a habit of introspection. And that's really what my whole concept of dating yourself is about. And the reason I'm so passionate about it is because this habit will help you become more clear on where your opportunities for growth are. And that in and of itself is like amazing enough. But the other cool thing is that as you become aware of these opportunities for growth, you will also start to see a pattern in your past dating history. So maybe you had a history of dating like jealous types, the emotionally unavailable types, the needy types, the avoidant types. We tend to date people that either reflect areas that we need to work on or we're attracting people to ourselves that reflect the sides of us that need to heal, usually because of some sort of toxic parent figure. And by the way, if that last part really resonated with you, I highly recommend you follow the holistic psychologist on Instagram. I can't remember her exact tag, but I'm pretty sure if you just look up holistic psychologist or Dr. Nicola Para, you will definitely find her. She has some phenomenal, phenomenal Instagram posts about trauma bonds and enmeshment and parent figures and like how that's playing out in your relationship. So anyway, that's a little sidebar. And no, that is not a paid for ad. I just really love her. So going back to this whole idea of dating yourself and using it as a way to identify the areas that you might have or the opportunities of growth, it basically just helps you identify red flags for yourself or the warning signs that you get when you enter a relationship that you may not always pick up on. And these are usually the non-negotiable values that we each hold individually. So they will differ for all of us. What is a red flag for you may not be a red flag for your best friend, may not be a red flag for me, may not be a red flag for Oprah. You know what I mean? Like we all have, it's really these red flags are closely tied to our values. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people in the dating world that may not be aware of their red flags. So they're going out there, they're meeting with people, they're going on dates, and they just have no idea that their red flags are just being trampled all over or that their values that they usually tend to uphold are inadvertently getting brushed over. So an example of this is that a big red flag for me was that I wasn't aware for years that the guys that I tended to date were far too needy. So they would start sprinkling in some of that neediness early on and I just wasn't picking up on it because I was in that honeymoon phase that, oh wow, they're just so into me phase. And this usually meant that I was falling into very jealous relationships. Like the guys I was always dating were definitely the jealous types. And I kept dating this kind of guy because I really loved the attention. Or at least I loved the attention at first. However, I did not know that the attention that I was getting, that I thought I loved in the beginning, it was not positive. It was possessive. And it wasn't because he cared so much about me like I thought he did, it was just straight-up jealousy. And I was being manipulated, or even groomed, to feel bad about the guy's jealousy. So as it started creeping up in our relationship, I started 
shaming myself and saying, oh my gosh, why am I so mad that he loves me so much or that he gives me so much attention? I should be appreciative because he's already feeding me that narrative. So you can start to see where if your red flags begin to get trampled over or if you don't know what they are, then six months later, you can find yourself in a relationship wondering how you got there or how you allowed your so many of your values to be compromised because it sneaks up on you. It's not like first date, they're going to be like, by the way, I'm super jealous and I'm going to make sure that you never have guy friends that you get to see or I'm, I'm going to make sure that you always know how much I care about you and that's why I'm being jealous. Like they're not going to come out on the first date and say any of that. It's just like little things here and there that you need to know to pick up on. And the only way that you can know to pick up on those things is having absolute clarity about what your red flags are. And so many of us haven't even sat down for a moment to identify those. And that's why I'm so passionate about this introspection topic that comes from dating yourself because it allows you to do this. It allows you to step back and analyze these things so that you can break your patterns. Additionally, these red flags also tend to point out to us what we need to work on. Because it turns out, in my example, I was actually also a needy, jealous person because that's what I observed in my parents. So of course, I saw this as a positive trait in others. And I kept dating guys with this tendency and wondering why, for the life of me, I couldn't seem to find a decent guy. It's because I had the same, I wasn't able to see the red flags in them because they were the same red flags that were present in me. And so being able to have that clarity and stepping out of this pattern and realizing what are my flaws here and how is that showing up in the relationships and the people I'm attracting to myself. So observing our past relationships and our own flaws can help us make change. And for most people, if you're in the dating world and the people you've dated haven't worked out, it might be that you need to have some sort of pattern change. So use this as an opportunity to figure out what can I, where are my opportunities for growth here? So that's the first thing dating yourself helps you accomplish. Recognizing patterns that haven't served you so that you can avoid falling for the same toxic people over and over again. The second thing that dating yourself does is it helps you become the type of person you want to attract. So as you work on yourself through personal development and self-growth things, you begin to heal the parts of you that no longer serve you. And this helps you raise your vibration. And as you raise this vibration, you are then able to attract a new type of partner, a healthier partner. Because we have to be a vibrational match for the type of person we want to manifest. So a healthier and more conscious version of us will attract healthier partners. So we have to get ourselves there first in order to be able to attract that type of partner. And if you're tuning in, you're probably the type of person that wants to grow anyway. So you're all about this. You're on the right path. Dating yourself or this level of introspection that I'm talking about will allow you to attract a partner that connects with the version of us that is growing and changing instead of the person who matches the vibration of our trauma. I'm going to say that one again in case you're driving and can't rewind it. Introspection allows you to attract a partner that connects with the version of you that is growing and changing instead of the person who matches the vibration of your trauma or your past trauma. So questions you can ask yourself during this dating yourself process might be, am I aligned with a healthier and more positive relationship? Do I know myself well enough to know exactly what I want? Can I recognize my red flags? What are they? Do I enjoy making time for myself? Do I enjoy my own company? 
What am I seeking when I am alone? And like I said earlier, whether you're already in a relationship or not, you can make changes to attract the new kind of relationship for you and your existing partner or partners too. If something isn't working, you can utilize this introspection process to help you figure out why. You cannot change what you're not aware of. So if you and your partner struggle in a certain area, take some time to date yourself and begin to learn what your habits and patterns are in that area. Because we love to blame the habits of others for relationship issues, but how many times have you asked yourself, what is my contribution to our flaws? Whenever we get in fights, what did I contribute? How was I showing up in a toxic way there? And then you can get to them later. (laughs) Or have them do the same thing so it's a little bit more positive and healthy of a discussion. So quick example of this. There was a time in Evan and I's marriage where I complained that Evan didn't help enough around the house. And after this process of introspection, I actually realized that a part of the issue was definitely my expectation setting and communication. He did help. He just couldn't read my mind. He didn't do the exact things that I, that I wanted him to do exactly when I wanted them done. So that was like the first part of it. But I think what was more important and that took a lot more introspection from me was that I was actually struggling with my identity as both a feminist who wanted to reject the housewife narrative, but also the part of me that was conditioned by my Southern values to uphold a certain standard of cleanliness and what it meant to be a wife, and what it meant to own a home. So my conflicting identities here created a lot of internal stress for me, let alone enter a partner into the relationship. I was already dealing with the stress of having this cognitive dissonance. So I would take it out on Evan thinking he was the answer. Because in my mind, I was like, well, if he can just help keep the house pristine, then this cognitive dissonance that I'm afraid to look at will just go away. It won't be an issue at all. So, of course, I would get pissed at him when I felt like he wasn't helping around the house because he wasn't helping me avoid my trauma or avoid not maybe not necessarily trauma, but he wasn't helping me avoid the thing that I did not want to deal with. And obviously, I was not aware at the time that that's what the real issue was, because, like I said, I still needed to work on myself. So sorry, Ev. So you can see how this process of introspection can help you become more aware of things like that. But it takes time. Like, I probably had to sit on that for years before that finally came to me. This isn't like an over-the-night process, right? But it was so valuable to my relationship to be able to recognize that and then be able to speak that to him and then say, hey, I need your help making sure that I'm not stepping into that role of the good housewife that really takes over all the cleaning. Instead, I want to be the partner that communicates what I need help with and then I need you to meet me there. And I need you to be the partner that goes ahead and does things without my asking So that that way we're meeting somewhere in the middle. So step into this introspection process with an analytical and non-emotional mind. Because you're not looking to place blame anywhere, okay? You're looking for opportunities for growth and positive change, either within yourself, within past relationships, or within your current relationship. So what are your bad habits around a particular issue? And once you're aware of that, What changes can you begin to make to change the way you're showing up in your relationship or the way you've shown up in past relationships? Because we often think that our relationship problems are something our partners aren't doing, but it's often a co-created situation. In fact, I would say 99.9% of the time, it is a co-created situation. Maybe it's some sort of belief that's held, expectations going unmet, communication that's not being had 
feelings of shame, disappointment in ourselves. The list is endless. We're human beings with our own separate traumas, and we experienced a lot of this prior to our relationship with another person. So we have to respect the fact that both of us are coming into this partnership with baggage. And both of us are going to be responding to things not always in the healthiest of ways, but recognizing why you're showing up a certain way is critical. So the short version of all of this, if I just wanted this episode to be two minutes long, (laughs) is that dating yourself is helpful for cultivating healthier relationships because it encourages you to love yourself more. And I attended a conference a couple of weeks ago, and there was a relationship expert there that said something that really, really resonated with me. And what he said was that being in love has nothing to do with another person. Being in love is a state of being. And I sat there with that, and I was like, wow, where, where was this guy in my younger years? I needed to hear that. Because I felt like this wisdom could have empowered me to leave a few relationships earlier than I did. Because I think I was more so in love with the idea of being in love than I was with that other person, not realizing that I had it within me and it had nothing to do with that person that I was with. I could always go back to it. So following this line of thought, it makes sense that someone else can help you get to a state of love, but you don't lose that love when you leave a relationship. It stays within you and you can can cultivate it again and again within yourself or even with another person if you want to. But when people go through breakups, We often tend to grieve the feeling of love just as much as we grieve the loss of the person. But if you knew at the time that love only came from within, could it have been easier to leave a relationship that wasn't serving you? Or better yet, can you feel that love for yourself so that you always have it with you? So that this feeling isn't a factor in whether or not you leave a toxic relationship. And from a psychology perspective, interdependency is one of the healthiest relationship patterns or styles. And it's basically defined as the ability to remain independent of your partner or partners in a relationship so that you do not become enmeshed in their lives while losing sight of your own, which is really what happens in a codependent relationship, if you're looking for contrast. Or said differently, interdependence is having love for yourself and sharing that with another. Whereas codependency is allowing someone else to create that love within you and then losing it when they're no longer around. Having love for someone else is okay, but having love for ourselves is great, and that can prevent codependency. Only we are responsible for how much love we're willing to give ourselves, and you will attract someone who loves you for you when you learn to love you first. Love comes from within, not from someone else. They don't bring love to us. They cultivate it within us, but it's always there. And with that, here's a really unpopular opinion— While you might be in a relationship, you are still alone. You're always alone. Doesn't mean you're lonely, but you're always alone. You'll never become a part of someone else. But sometimes we try to, and that's what happens with enmeshment. You can share yourself with someone and be in a partnership, but you're still a singular being. And honoring that part of you and respecting that part of you is what dating yourself is all about. That way, when you break up with someone or lose someone— You're still whole. You're not this broken version of yourself. So take comfort in that. They allowed you to experience love, but you are love itself. And what an empowering view that is in order to prevent some enmeshment and toxicity within relationships. If my 18-year-old self had known that, I wonder if I would have made any different decisions. 
And the last thing I'll say is that when I talk about interdependence and being alone within a relationship, some people will say something like, oh, but I couldn't live without my partner or love for my partner is like a drug. And my personal opinion is that that sort of statement is fine if you want a relationship that doesn't have clear boundaries or that is susceptible to unhealthy dynamics. But I believe that when you're in the when you're with the right person, it doesn't feel like a drug. Instead, it feels like home. It's not toxic, chaotic, addictive. It doesn't make you crazy. When you're in love with the right person, I feel like it's safe, comfortable, calm, predictable. There aren't massive swings of emotion. It's a relationship by choice, not because of some perceived soul obligation. And I feel so strongly about this because I was the woman who used to say that love is a drug. Like, I really believed that because I had so many guys that made me feel that way. That addictive toxicity, the unhealthy high from it all. And I used to believe that relationships should have these extreme ups and downs in order to be passionate. Like passionate was going from arguing to making up and having great sex. Like that's what I thought passion was. So I used to actually mistake this lack of huge mood swings with Evan as a lack of passion. Because I learned to associate these really extreme outbursts as love or as passion. And I didn't realize that these outbursts weren't actually passion. They were unhealthy explosions. But I got addicted to the excitement of them, like the unpredictability of not knowing what emotion that person was going to be in. But with Evan, it was always predictable and calm. So that addiction that I had to that unhealthy explosion wasn't there. So for a while, I thought that meant there wasn't passion in our relationship. Which, looking back on it, I'm like, oh my god, I needed so much help. (laughs) Which I guess is why I do this podcast, to help you if you are in that same position that I was. And it actually took me traveling to Europe alone and having a relationship abroad that made me realize that I was addicted to chaos. That I found this negative pattern exciting. And that's when I finally realized why I'd fallen victim to that abusive relationship years before. And yes, I did just drop a bomb on y'all about my relationship abroad because you're probably like, wait, what? You were still with Evan. And you're both right and wrong at the same time. But that is a story for another podcast (laughs) and one that I'm just not quite ready to share yet. Eventually, I will get into that with you guys. So I hope this episode gave you some perspective for either yourself or for someone else. And if it did, it would mean the world to me if you'd rate my show and leave a review in iTunes or Spotify or iHeartRadio or wherever you tune in. Because I, and also my podcast platforms, (laughs) consider these reviews and these ratings as basically a form of currency for me. So if you find value in my show, please show me some love and let me know. Thank y'all so much for hanging out with me today. Have a fantastic rest of your week, and I will catch y'all next Monday. Until then, go out there and manifest some miracles. Thank y'all so much for hanging out with me today. If you enjoyed this podcast, hit subscribe so you can stay up to date with new episodes. As always, we would love it if you would share this episode with friends and family who could use the inspiration. As a new podcast show, we would really appreciate your honest feedback so I know what you like and what you could use more of. As a thank you for leaving us a rating, we will send you our seven weekly tips to create space for abundance. Make sure you screenshot your review and email it to us at hello at themodernmanifestation.com so we can send them straight to your inbox. 
If you'd like to stay connected, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Modern Manifestation, or you can head to our website at themodernmanifestation.com. Thanks again for joining me, and I will catch y'all in the next episode.